0: Uh, the uh, information discussion items thirteen point zero beginning with thirteen point one twenty sixteen twenty seventeen college plan summary report of college initiatives.
1: Thank you, Dr. Warnell is making her way to the podium here. Thank you, Robin. Ah, uh, technology. Let's see
2: here. All right. Good evening. Um, so first I'd like to convey uh, Mary Shay's regrets that she couldn't attend the meeting uh, tonight. Uh, the agenda indicates that the two of us, as the planning committee co-chairs, would be presenting this information together. Um, the, the 2016-17... This will work here. Uh, the 2016-17 college plan is being presented to you as part of the annual planning cycle that we've established. Uh, the annual planning cycle is described on the planning committee website, and I've projected it here. Um, it indicates that in the months of April and May, my office uh, does three things. Uh, we compile uh, well. It related to annual planning. I guess I should clarify that. Um, We compile the unit level plans that were submitted by programs and services across the institution. Uh, We develop a summary analysis of those plans and we share them with the campus community including the Board of Trustees. So that's why this is on the agenda uh, for tonight. Um, The compilation of unit level plans was included on pages 2 through 17 of the materials associated with this agenda item. And uh, that portion of the backup packet is structured around the five planning priorities which you approved in February of this year um, as well as the strategic plan objectives Um, and those are then the uh, initiatives that have been identified are uh, by units across the institution uh, are presented by area of the college that identified each initiative so that's our four areas which include instruction, student services, administrative services and the president's area Um, The summary analysis of those unit plans appears on pages 18 to 22 of the backup materials. And the annual college plan and the summary analysis represent the two refinements to our planning processes that were implemented last year. Um, So this year we've implemented additional improvements which were identified last year and incorporated into the annual planning cycle and those two additional refinements are that we've held two forums um, associated with annual planning for 1617. And then, the purpose of those was to communicate planning related activities to the campus community. They also um, were intended to mirror the for- forums that are held to share the tentative and final budgets with the campus community, so on the resource allocation and budgeting side. Uh, we also collected information from area councils that was intended to supplement the unit-level plans um, and address identified gaps and focus our planning committee planning efforts uh, at all levels of the institution on the five established planning priorities for next year. Uh, the information collected from the area councils is presented uh, in the backup packet on pages 23 through 28. Day is not going well, um, so I want to highlight the remainder of the cycle here. The mouse, yeah, it keeps sliding and then deleting. Okay, so I want to highlight the remaining steps of the cycle that are listed here, um, following the box that's labeled April to May. Um, as Ron references in his report, uh, the cabinet and the budget committee are uh, going to be working on prioritizing the resource-dependent requests that emerge for the annual planning cycle. Um, and then uh, at our, the planning committee's final meeting um, in May, we will uh, receive that prioritized list that's reviewed, after it's reviewed by the budget committee. Um, that will be an information and discussion item for the planning committee. And then we assess the whole process um, for uh, the annual planning cycle. And so we look at the alignment of the plans with the established planning priorities. We'll evaluate the practice against uh, the process, and so just make sure that those are in alignment. As part of that, we'll identify areas for improvement, and then we'll revise the flow chart, which is this uh, document, accordingly. So um, this is part of our regular cycle of evaluation and improvement. And I'm happy to answer any questions you might have.
1: Any questions? Very much the uh,
3: uh this work group is is uh, representative from all constituent groups the, the,
2: the planning committee the yeah yes
3: the yes. priorities
2: the the so yes. the priorities were recommended by the planning committee they were conveyed to you. Um, through the college president and they were approved by the board in February and that laid the groundwork for the planning and resource request um, submission that went on. um,
3: Are these equal equal partners? In other words, if there's two faculty, there's two classified, there's two administrators. So the structure
2: of our planning committee um, and the budget committee is similar. Um, That's uh, Determined by uh, policy and that is that there are equal Numbers of faculty and non-faculty, so and it's balanced um, that way. So on the non-faculty side, it includes stu- a student representative, a classified representative, uh, administrative representative. There are a few people on the administrative side that are there by virtue of their role, including me as a non-voting member and the VPSS and VPI, uh, and that's everybody that is on. The, and then the director of facilities also
3: thank you i I just couldn't remember uh, the composition. I mean I knew it was representative, but uh, the term you used resource dependent requests um, that that's way beyond I need the money this is the program that needs it kind of thing, so I'm assuming from that the uh what's happened over the last few years in, in working with this process and, and perhaps changes in the Chancellor's Office, I don't know, that the, it's not just looking at immediate needs, but you're looking two, three years deep?
2: Um, so this is, um, I want to emphasize that this is for our annual uh, cycle, and, so, and I'm um, focusing on the planning-related aspect of that, the um, resource Allocation portion falls to uh, Bob's area and the budget committee, and in combination w- with cabinet. Um, the, so, in terms of what's included in the plan and partic- the plans that were compiled, and particularly um, the information in the backup packet, that's all of the initiatives, whether they were resource dependent or not. So, what will the cam- campus be engaged in next year? Then there's a subset of those, <laughs> it might be a, <laughs> a large subset, um, that are uh, resource dependent. And so, as the units are identifying their plans for next year. They identify what, what you know, um, professional development or technology or staffing needs they might have, and those are um, conveyed in the same um, planning document, and then that's the focus of, the, of Bob's area cabinet and the budget committee. Um, and then the prioritized list of resource-dependent projects that are reviewed by those bodies is um, what rises to the top in rank order. Um, so each, we'll be,
3: each area ranks their own.
2: Yes, that's part of the process. So, so, so each unit actually identifies whether it's high, medium, or low, and then the, we engage with the area councils where that um, then the, you know, does this CTE program or this transfer program um, have greater need, and then the instruction council in that case um, weighs those and um, assigns a rubric score to help with the prioritization process, and then the instruction council through the VPI conveys that um, to cabinet where then there I don't know. I guess do some horse trading or something. <laughs> much more
3: sophisticated process than, and much more data-driven detail. Thank you.
4: Yeah, I say I appreciate like, the movement toward SMART goals in the document because I can definitely see it's heading in that direction. So appreciate that.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, and you're on for the uh, accreditation update, oh. item 13.2.
1: As great as this podium is, it's really not very good. I I think once I get the
2: okay. So the accreditation update. Uh, as you know, the action letter that we received from the ACCJC in February. I didn't. The a tendency to walk on its own and uh. <laughs> obstruct the view of the material. Okay, um, so the action letter that we received in February identified three priority recommendations and cited nine accreditation standards and one eligibility requirement associated with those three recommendations. Uh, the college will need to address the noted areas of deficiency in a follow-up report due to the ACCJC in March 2017. Uh, As indicated in the next steps document that was attached to the agenda item, cabinet members have been identified as leads for each recommendation. Um, Those those are aligned with their areas of expertise and responsibility, and that's intended to provide leadership for the accreditation priorities. Uh, We have reconvened the accreditation steering committee, and we've scheduled monthly meetings during the academic year, and those are planned throughout the fall semester as well. Uh, one item of note that I wanted to call your attention to from the timeline that, again, was associated with the agenda uh, for tonight um, is the snapshot date for the drafting of the follow-up report. And that snapshot date it has been identified as January fourth, two 2017. Um, the purpose of that date is that that is to allow sufficient time for me to draft the report, to share it with the campus community, and to secure board approval prior to the submission to the ACCJC by March 15th of 2017. Uh, As I referenced before, the backup materials include the Next Steps document, which is a working document, uh, and the working timeline. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Any questions?
0: I'm
2: just wondering, what
4: what are we hoping... To get in terms of an accreditation, like what is the best accreditation you can get for the community college system? is to be reaffirmed for how long?
2: Uh, so, uh, if we're reaffirmed, the um, the ACCJC recently changed from a six year cycle to a seven year cycle. So that would mean that we would have a midterm report due um, at, in spring of well, I think when do we get uh, of 2018. No matter what. Uh, and then our next comprehensive site visit and self evaluation report would come due in two thousand twenty two, because we're the first to shift to the seven year cycle because we piloted the new standards.
4: In the past, has the college received six year accreditations?
2: Uh, we have we have always been reaffirmed. For six years. We have never been put on any form of sanction.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Doctor. Mm-hmm. 13.3, the first reading of the new revised or to be repealed board policies. We're looking at board policy 2715. And I'll turn it over to... Up ...for any questions. What, who was the subcommittee? I've forgotten already. This is uh, Amy, Trustee Amy, and Trustee Raphael.
4: Rafael, do you want to present? Sure.
5: So I'm not going to read this to you. You can, hopefully you've looked at it. It's, the red line is attached. Uh, Amy and I met uh, over the phone and, and computer a number of times to go over this and the, the changes. Um, basically, the goal was to clean up the language, eliminate um, items that are covered in other policies, you know, redundancies, uh, language that just didn't read right or, or uh you know trying to clean up the uh, make it more clear um, and uh basically those those were the goals and this is what we came up with after uh we went uh, back and forth and and considered the the original um certainly if you have any questions we're happy to answer
4: and towards the back you can see the CCLC recommended language, which is the first portion, and then you can see that over the years it got added onto and added onto, and there were a lot of um, kind of, yeah, redundancies, repeated kind of similar ideas repeated over and over again, and then also a lot of items that were in other board policies.
0: Any questions, comments from the board?
3: It's just the standard for uh dealing with violations of code of ethics is uh a league league template, league language.
4: That's straight from the league. Right. And um yeah. Again, I think the league is on page where is it? Page eight in your packet is league. So you can see Yeah, I've got, got it. Um so they offer two Options, and we took one of those options, and it's the same. We didn't change that. That was already there. We kept it. And then um, the only real additions were we added in practicing our board value shared values, because that's a new thing, and that encompasses a lot just in that one document. Um, And I'm hoping that we can actually have that attached to this policy. Um, And then we also added that one of our standards of practice is using Robert's Rules, because we say that, but it wasn't codified anywhere that we actually use that as our procedure. So we added that in.
6: I have one question and maybe an addition. Um, at the At the, towards the end, where it talks about the CEO and the board chair are authorized to consult with legal counsel, Does that need to be more specific, something in addition there that also talks about, maybe adds the word only the CEO and board chair are authorized?
1: We we just took it from the leak, that section. Yeah, well, this is authorizing
5: only, I mean, it doesn't say only, but it's authorizing the CEO and the board chair.
6: Okay, and so what? what is it, how is it considered if another board member?
5: They're not authorized. This is the authorizing okay. document. Okay. So you need to get permission from uh, the chair if you want to. chair. chair, right. which I think is what we've actually practiced in, in the past.
0: you mm-hmm. add uh, the CEO and board chair are then authorized to consult with legal counsel.
6: Only. I'm. I'm just thinking, adding the word "only" just because it kind of it. It says they're authorized, but it doesn't really come out and say nobody else. You know that it's not appropriate for other board members to just reach out to legal counsel.
4: Well, actually, our lawyer said that. There, she said it is okay to reach out. She didn't cut off that option, so I don't feel comfortable adding that in. And if we are, then I'd want to run it by her first. We're going to change the league language.
6: I'd
3: like to suggest that we run that by her first because that's not what's been her
6: That's not
5: practice. That
0: I understood and, uh,
3: either.
5: Would, I, I've, I've heard her said
0: that the, uh, with the permission of the board chair. Mm-hmm. Yes,
5: that's, that's my recollection. Um, if we want to get clarification, I would ask uh, uh, for that authorization for us to speak to, to council.
4: I'll give you an example. What she said was that's the best practice, but she didn't wasn't going to cut off that option. Let's say just because the board chair doesn't give a board member permission, if there's a legal issue where they figure, figure there's something maybe illegal going on and the board chair doesn't authorize permission, she wouldn't say that a board member couldn't come to her.
0: So is the CEO? But
6: my understanding is this is our board coming to an uh, agreement on these ethics uh, what and what i'm consider saying is the ethics
4: just because a, a majority a whole the whole board doesn't think there's something illegal going on or doesn't get authorization if a board member actually thought there was something illegal going on with or without permission from the board chair they would be obligated to go to her with that information so
0: if it, if it helps uh rafael i will grant you authorization to consult with legal counsel on this question
5: Yes, and I think that permission would be to the committee so that we can yeah. both uh, hear yes, her response.
0: We both could hear it.
5: Thank you. We will do that. And, and um, any other changes that we um, should consider bef- before we bring that back?
0: Nothing that I see other than a couple caps on the board and college and things like that, but we can fix that later.
3: On page 8 where you've got the uh, list of... Uh, Suggest that standards address the following areas. Uh, where in the document does it address acting only in the best interest of the entire community?
7: It's the, it's the first beginning.
3: one. Well, I know it's the first one, but I'm saying where in the document does it explain what that means? Because we have verbiage that, that existed in the document that you you ruled out that uh, fits into that category. That's why... I've Oh, I was, did you add it, make some other statements elsewhere is what I'm, what I'm, I'm sorry, could you I point me to, me to where, here, it's right at the top, it's the, uh, the league, uh, no, it's the league document.
4: I think the issue with this document, and Rafaela talked about this, is that, A lot of them are very subjective. Um, You know, what I think is in the best interest of the community might be different than what another board member thinks is in the best interest. The same thing, there's one about um, avoiding the appearance of impropriety at all times. You know, that's obviously very subjective. So that's where if, you know, the board thought somebody was um, doing something that went against this, they would need to bring it forward and explain it, and the, the whole board would have to decide. But I think to try to get in and try to define these things would be really difficult. That,
5: that's right. A lot of this um, language we changed. I, I mean, I had problems with it because it it's, lends itself to many interpretations, and we, we were trying to cut down on that you know, potential from a lot of these statements. And, and Yes, the, some of it is in the league, uh, um, you know, model uh, policy, um, but like a lot of this, it's it's not law, and just because the league did it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best drafting, um, so that's why we removed or changed some of the language to try to eliminate some of those things.
3: Yeah, I, I, uh, I hear that, and I guess... It's- Going back to uh, Amy's comment or your comment about best practices, and then, uh, uh, you know, the the judgment call is to, and whether the entire board uh, sees it as something that happened that wasn't in the best interest.
6: I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking is that instead of so many, um, you know, a list of, so many other so many things that could really roll into one more detailed um, comment it, it, it would maybe be would maybe be better than leaving it so vague, such as using appropriate channels of communication and then acting only in the best interest of the entire community. I mean, I think there's some things there that could roll in together and maybe have a little bit more definition behind them.
8: Well, I think there's a purpose in it being vague because we can't anticipate everything that goes on in the community and in the college. And and basically the bottom line is use your head. You you represent the college and be an adult about it and represent
5: the college. And, and that's generally that's the problem in all of these things that you you have to i guess reach it's a balance you've gotta uh, reach that point where every where the board is comfortable because if you list a whole bunch of very specific items, the question becomes, well, then did you eliminate all other possibilities yeah, yeah. so yeah. this is this was trying to balance those those issues so we just need to find out where the board is is comfortable, where that balance is.
4: Let's, well, like, be respectful. I mean, what does that mean? That's where, you know, you can't define every single situation and item that would fall under that. So you have it broad, and then um, if something comes up, you discuss it as a board.
3: Mr. Chairman, I'd like to suggest that uh, we move this to the June meeting until the committee gets this issue resolved with the attorney. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, uh,
9: this this is a first reading. Yes, it's yes. not action. Yes.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that's
0: fine then. Yeah. Let's let's uh, perhaps also ask about the inclusion of this. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, and yes. maybe it's, like an appendix. You know, does it does it go on there, or well, or is just reference yeah, enough? Yeah, sure. To I
4: think it? it's nice for yeah to be able to have it okay. put somewhere, and we can reference it. The community can reference it.
8: And I just want to say, I I really appreciate the hard work that you, Amy, and Raphael did on this. I know it wasn't easy.
4: It still looks like a lot, but we cut out a lot. I mean, it still is a whole page of bullets, but we cut out a lot. So I think if we can have less and then really focus in, it's better than to have so many things and not be able to focus on anything.
5: Before we we finish with this, if I may, Mr. Chairman, um, Amy and I, we talked about, Looking at those other policies, um, you mentioned one tonight—the one that includes our our procedures um, relative to minutes. Relative to the minutes, and so we will minutes. we'll be looking and at those. And if we could expand our um, authority a little bit, maybe in, Amy and I can look at that policy also. In case a question, legal question comes up, we can ask that all at once before we go to council and then come back to the board.
4: Yeah. uh... One
6: last thing about this. Can we add one person, though, to the conversation of the minutes? I mean, I know Kyle has already done some research on it and maybe have a third person uh, involved in that review.
0: leave that to the discretion of Raphael. Raphael? And, and Kyle's workload.
5: Kyle, if Kyle wants to join the committee, I don't have a problem with that.
8: You would, of course, be a junior member at this point. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and responsible for the lunch meeting. Just kidding.
4: Be- before we move on, there was, there was one... Um, I didn't want to just axe it because it was different, but I was kind of wondering, and I if it's more like in roles and responsibilities versus like ethics and standards of practice, and that's um communicating and promoting the needs of the community to the college and the needs of the college to the community. I don't know if that's more of a role and responsibility versus a standard practice. Standard practice implies that you will do this, you will. But I guess you should be doing that. But anyway, so that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of overlap with these different policies. Anyway. We'll leave it as is. Okay.
0: Well, we appreciate your good works and thank you, Kyle, for joining the team. Can and I expect to hear from the next Sorry, three. can yes. I just
9: add that, that board docs will maybe also influence the uh, minutes. So we yes, thank
5: you. My... And that was something a question I had asked before that I think I asked you that once we, we got that on, we needed to know what those limitations might be.
9: So maybe I can
0: discuss with you. Great. Right. Thank it. you. Thank you very much. Uh, the 14.0 Consent Calendar, several items there.
3: I'll move approval with the, the two items
0: that uh... Let's go to 14.1 first. Let's do that. And 14.2. And uh, I know there's Are might be some questions on 14.3. So let's look at uh, approving 14.1 and 14.2. Okay. There's a motion there. So well moved. Second. Approved any properly seconded any discussion on uh, fourteen one and fourteen two. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. So that's fourteen one and fourteen two. We're looking at fourteen three. I have a request in hand to pull fourteen point
4: three point eight and fourteen point three point nine. And I'd
0: like to pull fourteen point three point seven. I so have that uh, as well. Seven, eight, and nine pulled from the roster. I'll move fourteen three with those pulled. Second. Second. It's been moved and properly second. Any discussion? I'll call for the vote. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. So let's look at fourteen point three point seven. First. Six.
7: Yes. Can we just confirm that fourteen point three point ten was pulled?
0: 4.3 is is not on the list, it's yes. The, it got pulled
10: oh, on the it, it adoption of the agenda it. Yeah, before
0: yes. we approved the agenda. So it, which were pulled? The red letters. 7, there. 8, seven and, eight? eight?
8: Six, seven and 8. 6,
0: 7, and 8. Seven and eight. eight. No, no. Thank 7, 8. eight, seven, nine. eight, nine. eight. Seven, eight nine. Thank you. All right.
10: All right. The uh, automobile Vehicles. Yeah. Um, Bob can, you know, fire away. I can add
11: value? Certainly. So we have, um, and and as it states uh, on the agenda item, we have six vehicles that we're currently using that are desperately in need of replacement. And that's for, excuse me, our four 12-passenger vans that we use to transport student teams and student activities uh, uh, to the places where they do their activities. And then it's also the two police vehicles. All of those vehicles, the vehicles that we're currently using, are over 100,000 miles um, and um, are in need of repair frequently. And so leasing is uh, relatively new for us in, in terms of uh, the use of vehicles, but there are some definite advantages to that. First of all, the initial cost is, is significantly lower. We're not purchasing outright six vehicles. But what it also does for us is that it allows us to roll maintenance in with, uh, with those uh, vehicle costs, the lease costs, so that all maintenance will be covered under this lease agreement for the entire 60-month or five-year period of the lease. The reason that we're looking at doing this for these particular vehicles, we're not looking to lease an entire fleet of vehicles for the college. But these are the areas where there is the, the most risk or the most vulnerability. You know, we've encountered situations with our current uh, passenger vans where uh, a sports team is uh, driving to an uh, off-campus location and the vehicle has broken down. And so we needed to get repairs. So it puts our students and our faculty who are taking those groups on those uh, excursions or on those trips uh, uh, in Jeopardy. And then the police vehicles, because not only are those police vehicles used on this main campus, but police also use those vehicles to go back and forth uh, between this campus and the Upper Valley campus. And so we need to provide reliable transportation in uh, all of those cases. So that's why we're looking at, uh, in this, at this particular point in time looking at uh, leasing vehicles rather than purchasing the vehicles.
6: So a couple of questions on that. So um, did you, so the cost, so what? first of all, what's happening with the vehicles that we currently have? What are we going to do with them?
11: Well, so we actually, the uh, uh, Enterprise Fleet Leasing, uh, which is the organization that we're leasing the new vehicles from, is actually buying the vehicles back. So the, okay. the vehicles that we're currently using will go back to them, and that will reduce uh, the leasing costs. Off of this number, it, it it's actually factored into it's this factored number. into this number. Yeah.
6: Okay, and um, and then when we purchase those original vehicles, how long ago was that?
11: I believe these vehicles are at least seven or eight years old.
6: Okay, and we point. know that. The time span, like from what we purchased, how much we purchased them for seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and this life of the vehicle is more expensive than this new
9: proposal?
11: Because of the uh, ongoing cost of repairs. And the fact okay. that this lease agreement covers all repairs on the vehicle so okay. that there is no... When we make these lease payments, that is the entire cost of ownership for these vehicles that we're leasing.
4: Okay. Kind of piggybacking on what she was just asking, so so you're saying they're they're seven years old these current vehicles. I,
11: I believe that they are at least seven years old.
4: So, what about when you actually look at five years? I don't, I don't even know if you can do that, but you know the cost of leasing these vehicles for five years versus. You know, if we had had those vehicles, the, the ones we bought for five, five years, there's probably no way to...
11: It, it's certainly difficult, but we did look at the numbers, the, the total cost of ownership for the vehicles that we purchased compared to the total cost of ownership for leasing these vehicles. And uh, the fact of the matter is, as the vehicles that we currently own, Uh, became older and racked up additional mileage, it became more expensive to continue to maintain those vehicles. And so this, we believe this will be, and as I say, this is the first time we've done it, but we believe this will be cost neutral, if not saving the college a little bit of money.
4: I was wondering about the four vans. Um, Have I don't know, has there ever, has it been an analysis to see if we really need four vans? It, you know, because it seems like sports teams are kind of, you know, staggered, they're not all going at the same time, and then, so I'm just wondering if, how used these four vans are, right. if we need four vans, we have yeah. three?
11: Right, they're so. actually used fairly frequently because not only is it the sports teams, but it's also the uh, other club activities, so... Uh, The uh, Puente program, the Umoja program, other programs use these vehicles to transport uh, their members. And then remember there are only 12 passenger vans, and so there are times when we need two or even three of them to transport the number of students who uh, need to go even for just one activity.
12: I had a quick question on it's enterprise rental car sales. Is it the same yeah, company? So it's the same company. So yes. are they new leases? Are they new vehicles that they're leasing?
11: Mm-hmm. Yes. They are they are brand new vehicles that will be leasing. So they're warrantied due. Yes. With the yeah. maintenance and everything. Right. And the great thing they will all be um Ford vehicles and so we it's it, it's our choice as to where the repairs are made. Um and so we would be making the having those repairs made locally. Um and so it will generate activity uh, for our local businesses as well.
12: Should we look at some of the other lease
11: programs out there through some of the other dealerships? Well, what we actually did in this case, and it's it's something in, and it's, it's mentioned in the um, uh, board agenda item, but uh, the uh, – the uh, education codes, the piggyback, yeah. It, so we have the ability, if someone else, and another governmental agency in the state of California has done an RFP um, recently, that we are able to utilize the results of their RFP in order to and get the same rates that were uh, negotiated under that RFP. And so that's what we did in this case. So it was an RFP that was actually through Another school district, um, but we were able to utilize the results of their RFP in order to uh, determine that Enterprise was the best alternative. Do we have a mileage
12: limit on the lease? We do have read the actual contract like verbatim, but
11: we do have a mileage limit on the leases, and so I, I unfortunately can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe that. For the, uh, both the police vehicles and for the vans, we are limited to about 12,000 miles a year. Now, for the police vehicles, should not be a problem because police vehicles are used locally. For the vans, we'll be looking at ensuring that we rotate the vans so that we don't exceed that mileage on any one individual van.
4: I know the college does excursions, like, to the museum and for the communities. Are these vans used for that as well?
11: They could be used for that as well, yeah. There, the
0: trustees have also used them. Is there an option to buy after <laughs> in the lease?
11: Actually, what happens at the end of the lease is that they buy it back from us, so we, we get a credit for the uh, uh, residual value on the on the vehicle at the end of the lease.
4: I just have two more questions. Um The first one, because actually a couple people from the college brought this forward, is asking why we needed SUVs for the police. That was one question. Why not just cars? And then um, the other, you mentioned that they go up Valley, but I know at some point they actually hired a police officer up Valley, and apparently that saved the district a lot of money because... Police officers weren't driving back and forth. So, is there still a police officer that's assigned to the Upper Valley campus?
11: There is not still a police officer who is uh, specifically designed to the uh, assigned. I'm sorry to the Upper Valley campus. And to your question as to whether we looked at both uh, 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 automobiles as well as the uh, SUVs and the police department, because of the fact that they are taking uh, at times transporting equipment back and forth to the Upper Valley campus. Believe that the best alternative for us and what they really needed were uh, SUVs. So it was facilities working in uh, conjunction with uh, uh, the chief of police. Mr.
5: Parker, could you tell me what color these vehicles are? (laughs) And I'm sorry, I'm doing that because a lot of this discussion to me is starting to sound like micromanagement. And I think our job is to make sure that You've done the research. The police department's done the research, making sure they're getting what they need at the best price possible and all of those things, and I really don't care what color the, the cars are. There was. I, I do have a problem with that little Ford comment, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, but really, I think a lot of this is really getting down to stuff that it's really not our job to do. It's it's your job. It's Ken's job. Um so thank you. In my experience, leasing for business is always the better option um, in general. So uh, I'd really ask that we
13: move on.
0: Can I a motion? Can I offer a comment?
13: I've been waiting for a while. Yeah, sorry. Um, the Associated Students have actually used these vans um, in particular to travel down to San Jose for the leadership conference for Seesaw. And we would, I think, almost unanimously agree that the vans are in very poor shape. Um, they're very uncomfortable to ride in, and they, are, they do lend themselves to feel unsafe, especially on the freeway. So um, with that, I, I motion to approve.
0: I'll second. properly second. All those in favor, second by saying. Aye. Aye.
12: Aye.
0: Aye. Aye. That's
8: part of the reason why you go to school, so you can, you can get a good job to get better vehicles than that, and that's part of your learning. You don't ever want to own it.
0: 14.3.8, Lee Enterprises Incorporated, DBA.
13: And the reason I asked for this to be pulled is because I'd like to hear what um, uh, Diane and the other faculty had in mind as to why the contract is you know, you went up there and had your issues with it. So I'd love to hear about it because um, I'd looked over the contract and I personally don't see an issue with it, but
6: so, um, Gabriel, you're
9: speaking about the contracted because that's different than what Diana was addressing at public comment. So,
10: this is now we're looking at the. This is. Are you talking about Lee Enterprises for the oh, okay. drop? Okay. So, yeah. So, what you made your comment on tonight? Oh, okay. And then, a,
7: yeah. um, do you have a specific question? I know that um, I think this is one two that um, Chris had asked to be able to comment on. So maybe if he.
13: So more so my is this working? Yeah. Um, more so my question was why um, it would be uh, con- interpreted as inappropriate to use SSSP funds for.
7: Well, less. I didn't have time to actually call right. and check. I'm sure that um, most most grants are written to allow some flexibility. So my hunches at the college called and checked. The reason that that myself and and others um, view it as a concern is that putting a um, schedule in 33,000 copies or whatever of a newspaper, I I don't see how that's going to specifically address student success on our campus. So it might get a few more students to come here, maybe. It will not necessarily get um, our millennials or our um, students that are college age here because they don't usually read the newspaper, they read what's on their phone. Um, so, and we have students on our campus right now that are struggling and need support systems in place that are currently either not there, still developing, or not sufficient for the numbers of students that need them. And $45,000 to do that seems excessive. So it, it just seemed like there are so many other ways that if we had $45,000 to spend on student success that we could address that.
6: So those funds, are they, are they flexible, or is there more other things we can do with yeah. those funds? I'll ask Oscar to address yeah, think, that uh, piece there's,
14: there's a There's a new source that's, that's allocated to 12 community colleges uh, for the last two years. And in this case, for Napoli College, uh, our allocation is $1.6 million. And so the idea is to use these funds for that purpose, for, for, for providing access for student success, as well as any personnel or staffing uh, w- with technology, whatever needs to be done to ensure that students, uh, even those who are non-millennials, those who may be low, low income and can't afford you know, the new you, uh, the technology for computers and such, have access to, to what's available to them. The reason for, for, this, for this printing that, and that I support is that being, being the chair of the outreach committee, uh, uh, for several years here, all the members of the committee, when they do their, their their presentations in the evenings at schools, off off campus, other sites, have all come back with with, with the same uh, with testimonies that people that they have talked to prefer still prefer uh, to see that paper document uh, again because not, not everyone has a computer and not everyone knows how to work computer or or website, and so this is a comment that that we hear every year. Why do we need to print and, and and our response, as far as the average committee is concerned, is because that's what the customer is requesting and so uh and so uh, I have car- uh, car- clarified that these funds can be used for this sort of a service because uh, it is a service, and so um, that's 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 what the monies are for so okay. this is a very small amount for one point six million dollars.
6: What data do we have that supports that we get? We pull anything from newspaper ads.
10: I, I can take a shot at that, and and okay. Kira Lee as well. I mean, there's there's you know the whole um, Chris before, before. I want to make sure that you get your your comments in, so don't get lost in this. Okay, as we yeah, um, you know, having been in that. Business for a long time a lot of my professional background and um, it's it's very difficult to track direct mail um, however um, me- newspapers are a little easier to track and supplements are even easier to track so the data would suggest that people who buy newspapers actually read the supplements um, closer I know the the kind I know the kind of general kind of conversation which is when I get the penny saver, I would you know I shake it out you know in the Orchards ad for the the lounger it doesn't catch your attention unless you're looking for a lounger, and if you are, it really grabs your attention. So the 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 reality is that the, in the valley, many people want education. So it, it, you know, can you can you attribute for every hundred that go out, whether there be some some return? The answer is no. The, the only way to really view this is in context of its. Portion of the promotional mix, so uh, I I would stipulate along and agree. We we have many unfunded things at the college, and this does cost money. There's no no doubt of it. But this this um, I believe this will be for this cycle the most appropriate use of the funds. If we don't do this, which this is scheduled to drop on Monday, right? Monday there will be no schedule for students to see. Except for those, um, except for the PDF, so I would expect that there will be fewer students who will benefit from, like as Oscar said. Um, I, I would say, and I, and I talked to, am I eating up your time here, Chris? I'm sorry, a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I would say that there's a there's a bimodal curve on this thing. This, the, some of the students that Oscar talked about, the younger students, who are culturally. Um, not acclimated to high technology or who have difficulty with English, or the, one of those groups. The other group is the elderly population in the, in the valley. Time and time again request um, a printed document. They will keep it and hold it, pass it along. The pass-along rate, as you know, two to three times. Supplements even better than that. Somebody pulls and keeps it, it, it will travel from person to person. So that's kind of the long answer
5: is there a line here, or is Mr. Farmer next? I've can got a I, You know, I, I,
10: I re- Chris was going to speak earlier. We came in and talked earlier, and it was a real, um, we have an agreement that we're, we all talk together, you know, if there's something coming up. But I really would like to hear if that's okay
14: with you.
0: Can I add I can. one? Yes, go ahead.
9: I have yeah, a sure. small fact to add, <laughs> if you don't mind, factoring. that as of this morning's draft, which came in 40 pages smaller than this estimate, um, we think the actual cost will be six to eight thousand dollars less than this, just because it's smaller to print and then
0: way cheaper to mail. Mr. Farmer, gotta... what I wanted to add was, <laughs> I, I put two copies in front of 140 people at work, and I know four people are attending college that may not have been here because of that printed material. It's in the lunchroom. And it's also, I've personally seen it passed uh, outside. Uh, we're, say, we're a Spanish-serving community, and, and about uh, 120 of our 143 employees are Spanish-speaking. Um, I think it's, a, it's an additional channel. It's an additional method of outreach. Um, yes, Ms. Thank you. Go ahead.
15: Well, I want to start with the good news. Uh, because of concerted effort through our classified Senate, we've encouraged more and more staff to go read the board agenda. Um, I did not know what I was getting into because starting this morning, the minute I walked in, I was being asked questions about this item. So this was one that our constituency group identified, and it wasn't one or two people that are typically the ones that always (coughs) chirp. It was pretty much across the board and was from areas that I don't normally see it. So at lunch, we sent out a survey to all staff, and we asked them what they thought. And I did my best to give the rationale as to why we would be sending it. And I gave how much it would cost, how much we'd send the target area where we were sending. And I basically asked them, would you support this? Um, I got back about 47 responses, which is uh, 30% of our membership, um, which is pretty good considering a lot of our membership are out on carts and cars and doing all sorts of stuff all day. Um, of those, 85% said no, absolutely not. And another 20 sent a bunch of emails Um, talking about how, well, to put it in light terms, that they believe that this is a waste of money. And so as a classified Senate president, I feel obligated to convey that opinion to you. Um, Now, none of us are marketing experts, but none of us were born yesterday either, and a lot of us have seen the history of Napa Valley College here. We know when we used to send the schedule. I got a story from one secretary that says they get phone calls from people in Napa County saying, why did you mail me a schedule, it's such a waste of money, why are you wasting my taxpayers' money on this stuff? Uh, So that's the other side. There are people who do not like getting it and see it as junk mail. I also think, and I don't know if, I I unfortunately missed Diana's comments, I don't know if she brought up Enrollment Management Committee, where we had a brief conversation about this and several ideas were thrown out about how we could be more strategic in the distribution are there certain drop points? I think what um, Trustee Baldini pointed out, that's a strategic drop point. We go to a place where we think people might be interested and we put the schedule on the table and we go after certain populations. And I think that, trying to summarize, that was the, what a lot of classified felt was the wasteful part of this. It's not that we're not behind spending money on marketing. It's that this just feels like blanketing the county with a bunch of big schedules, it's not a little schedule, it's not a pamphlet, it's a big schedule. Um, And we're not sure that this is really accomplishing what we want. And for one, what do we want? What is the population we're going for? Because to get at Trustee Mancuso's comment, if we want to be strategic and measure, we can do that if we know what population we're going after before we do it, because then we can look to see if it actually changes. So it feels like this isn't very strategic. Um, I don't want to wade in too much on the SSSP stuff. I'm sure Oscar's on the up and up. Um, but as a constituency, we have to pretty much resoundingly say we're not really in favor of doing it this way. That's my comment. Thank you for
5: listening. Now, may I make a comment? The um, I, I appreciate uh, Mr. Farmer's comments and the idea that there might be a more strategic way of doing this maybe in the future that I want to speak to what Oscar was saying, because I'm, I hear a lot about what's happening in, in the schools up Valley. My wife's a teacher at the high school, and then I hear about what's going on in Calistoga. And this is a conversation that, that um, has been ongoing for some time about how to reach the population of Valley uh, and um, with their Schedules and some other information, and basically it's an argument where uh, there's a group that says everything should just go by, you know, uh, social media and electronically, um, but what Oscar was pointing out is true. The uh, lower income, many of which are Latino, uh, one, either they don't have the devices, they don't have Internet. Uh, access at home. They live in places like Berryessa Estates and out by Berryessa where they even if they could have a device, they don't have access to the internet, and so they don't get this electronically. And they do look at the the printed materials that that they receive, and so. I mean, I'm hearing this from the teachers discussing this and the, the population up Valley. So uh, I'm in favor of this. I, I think uh, what Oscar uh, said is, is correct, but I'm also, uh, like I said, appreciative of the comments and that maybe there's a, a way to figure out how to target some of these communities um, or segments of our community uh, in the future. So thank you.
0: Yes, we'll go to Amy. Yes, go ahead. All right, Amy.
4: Well, okay. Well, first of all, as far as measuring, from what I understand, there was a period where the college totally moved away from printed schedules and only had online scheduling or online schedules, and then we brought back printed. So it does seem like there should be a way to look at what was our enrollment before when we were just doing online and what is it now with this recent trend in using printed materials I that should be able we should be able to measure that so I'd be curious about that um the before and after and then second if we are going to move to printed and I'm not necessarily against printed but if we're trying to target cast a wide net I don't think the newspaper is a way to do it I don't think we're going to get the low-income Latino for example in the newspaper I don't think we're going to get youth which is you know that's our the main group that goes to college um So I just think it's such a specific demographic to put it in the newspaper and um, if that's the way we're going to be targeting people I I think that's a big mistake. If we're going to print and cast a wide net, I'd rather see it go to people's homes um, so we get a diversity of of people having access to that printed material or doing what um, Chris suggested which is targeting maybe dropping off some at the senior center dropping them off at the schools um, dropping them off at voices you know, wherever, but um, just to put them in newspapers, I think you're missing a huge segment of our population. Um, the other thing I'm concerned about is just waste in general. Um, I don't know if this is what it's going to be like. I would imagine it'd be much bigger because this is just the summer schedule, and this is a lot of paper. I've seen you know summer schedules that are just two pages because they were very conservative um, with the printing. This is just so much paper, And I can only imagine what a fall schedule would be like, then, if this is the summer schedule. And if this is what's going to go in the paper, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a waste of paper. And I don't think we're going to be getting what what we want to get out of it. So I don't support it. I'd rather see either more, again, going to people's homes or just going online. One last thing, actually, about that is, you know, we said that students, um, you know, not everybody has access to computers, but the bottom line is the only way to enroll at the college is online. So, you know, I support an advertisement in the newspaper directing people to go online to schedule classes, um, but ultimately people have to go online to enroll. It's the only way I believe that you can enroll right now.
14: Except high school students. All our students have to enroll in person.
4: High school students, right? But seniors and so forth—they still have to enroll online, like everybody else. So ultimately, they're going to have to get connected with a computer.
13: Right, but a lot of those senior citizen students that are interested are coming to the college to help find somebody who can enroll them in those classes, because I'm sure they're not figuring it out on themselves by going on WebAdvisor and then you know enrolling in the CCC system. So I mean, that's kind of you know that's kind of the point of the Welcome Center students. We have them there as a resource. Um, if I could offer quick comments, um, I would like to echo Amy's comment that. Perhaps the Napa Valley Register isn't the, just the you know the preferred newspaper for Latinos in the valley um, because it's mostly in English. Uh, and other than that, I, um, I you know, I'm conflicted. Uh, from a student perspective, I am conflicted because I'm hearing great
0: comments on both sides. Printed in Spanish as well, right. and,
13: and and from what I see here, it is it is also printed in Spanish. But again, that does that fall through with the fact that we're putting it in the the register the the St. Lena Star, the Eagle, the Valley Bargain Finder. I've never even heard of the Valley Bargain Finder. So. Marketplace? Oh, Marketplace. Okay. Well, see. But before we it's continue, not
0: the we have a, Joanne has some uh-huh. comments. Something and else? I'll need a motion and a, uh, to continue this discussion.
3: I'll make the motion right. to approve, but I do have some
0: comments. Okay. Is there a second? second? Second. But I've got a comment. Also. All right. Let's go ahead, Joanne, and then we'll...
3: Well, let me speak to, to another it. population. Uh, since they came out, I've had I, I don't read the newspaper, so I I hadn't uh, seen it. It's a, a uh, but the group that I am well acquainted with are the seniors, and uh, they were thrilled to see it come back. Those that uh, that uh, gave me you know some feedback, and I think that you know this is uh, we're a rural valley. We're uh, an older pop. You know the seniors are the growing the growing numbers, and the, um, as the Rafael mentioned, the Latina population. But um, it is a marketing tool, whether you like, you know, the Register owns all the newspapers in the Valley. So um, I, I, I doubt that we will see major numbers, but it certainly might help up Valley uh, in terms of, uh, you know, better information there, but... Uh,
8: Anyway, I just want
0: to speak for the senior population. Go ahead,
8: Dan. I just wanted to say that I think we're all well aware that this method of communication is quickly becoming obsolete. The question is, is it currently obsolete? And I, I, I think Chris is right. We have to strategically target where we're going to put this. A blanket coverage is a waste of money and time. Could be But as Ron was saying, we don't really know which is wasteful, and which is not. Um, at this point, I, I'm in favor. I, I go along with Rafael for right now. Let, let's let's do this as is. But we need to look into it further for the, for the future to see if it's if it's the right thing to do. Because just being elderly or being Hispanic doesn't mean you don't automatically have don't have access to computers. You know, we have to understand that too.
4: Do we have any data about before when we didn't have printed schedules and we just did everything online, and since we've been using printed schedules again, we haven't looked at the data? I mean, because we, we try to make data-driven decisions, and we, there was definitely a before and after, so have we looked at that?
10: I, there's a couple different versions. of I think Terry and Chris and I certainly have some background on yeah, and I would
16: ask Chris to go first because he understands the data probably better than any here in the room, other than Robin, who's sitting in the back very patiently and quietly. Uh,
15: and yes, we do have data, absolutely. We have the enrollments, and we know uh, when we stopped sending out the full printed schedule and didn't. I'd say there's a big confounding factor there that we cut a lot of classes in 11, 12, which is about the time we stopped sending out the full schedule. So it would be very difficult to say which caused which. The other thing we did is we did away with um, repeatability which really decreased our enrollments as well so it was sort of a different world so it would be hard to measure that. All
0: right. there's a uh, motion and a second. Robin?
16: I think Robin wants to make some comments so I'd ask that the board listen to her before we vote.
2: I was just going to comment and I think I have the right meeting. I think it was that enrollment management meeting that um, Chris and others referenced earlier, um, but we did talk about we don't. It's not enough to just look at the presence or absence of the um, schedule being uh, mailed out and then the effect of uh, um, on enrollments, because as Chris mentioned, there are lots of variables um, and confounding factors. But one thing that we talked about at that enrollment management meeting was that we should develop a um, method for tracking, um, particularly among our summer students who might be a different population, so I think four-year um, students um, returning home for the summer having jobs uh, locally and uh, developing a mechanism through the new portal as it's implemented um, possibly to um, collect how did you find out about us and was it coming to our website? And that's one thing um, that we need to do to plan for the future because what we have on hand right now um, in terms of data isn't enough to develop the targeted strategic plan.
0: Very much for your comments. Uh, so uh, again, uh, Can, sorry.
16: A, Can I add one more aspect to this before you vote? Yes. I
0: think that,
16: uh, okay. So the other thing that is important to note is that we, when we did start printing again, we actually came. We were printing an abbreviated schedule as compared to this, um, that was m- much uh, less expensive um, and probably more um, cost-effective from that standpoint. Um, But one issue that was uh, true with that is that we actually, because we had abbreviated it so much, we were leaving parts out that are quite necessary if we print a schedule or if we put it online. And so part of the cost here is that there's information that must be in the schedule that was not in that abbreviated schedule. And so that's part of it. And some of that's the upfront material that people are talking about, some of that upfront materials in both English and Spanish, which is important for our demographics um but there are things that um Diana was referring to earlier and far in regard to the rules and regulations that we must follow that were not in that abbreviated schedule that um we were trying to do to save costs and thus were breaking regulations and laws by putting that out and and so there's a whole th- this is very complicated and and I think that's also what Chris and Robin are referring to in regard to the data it's r- really Really complicated to understand what came first, the chicken or the egg, here in regard to enrollments. And so um, we have to continue looking at strategic ways of reaching out to our various populations, both the millenniums as well as the demographics that exist in this valley, to find the right way to reach them. Um, and the printed schedule may not be that way. The, the other thing that hasn't been said, you know, because we all talk about the paper. Um, the Napa Valley Registered, St. Helena Star, etc., um, that people are. But but part of the strategy here is that, that this is actually going out and ending up in mailboxes of people who don't read those papers because people who don't re- um, uh, subscribe to those papers are receiving this in their mailbox as well. And so that, the, the methodology that we're doing and some of the costs that we're doing is because it's actually going in mailboxes of people who don't actually subscribe to these local papers. Um, So that's another important part of this strategy.
4: So it's going to every home? It's going to every home
16: in the Valley, whether they subscribe to the paper or not. Terry, what medium is that? Is that through the Valley Bargain Finder? Is that what
13: you're talking about? Because I don't – yeah? Yeah. Okay. So
9: if you're not a subscriber to any of the newspapers held by Lee Enterprises, you receive something in the mail called the Valley Bargain Finder. It has coupons and some short articles. And our schedule is an insert in that with a big sticky ad on the outside telling you what's in there.
4: So based on that, I mean, I'm liking that it's going to every home, but I'm concerned that it's an insert. Many people just get the newspaper and just throw it and recycle it. it. goes straight in the trash. Mr. Chairman,
17: so we're just rehashing yes, now. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, well, that's new information. A, I didn't know that. motion and a second on the floor. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. Or
3: was this uh, uh, brought forward by the Enrollment Management Committee?
14: The Outreach Committee. The, uh, that's, that's a group that actually does the, the outreach. I'd say 75% oh, okay. of the outreach for, for not by college is done by, by this committee, but this group that includes uh, staff and faculty as well. And the other big, big advantage to having this this imprint is that, as you know, we currently capture about 35% of our enrollments from our county next door. And so when we do the outreach activities at the schools, at the college fairs, at the evening events, all those sort of things, in that county, we hand out these by the dozens, literally. And so, again, that's another tool that this is used to bring in the enrollments that we're currently needing.
3: If you don't already, could I suggest you have somebody drop the senior center? Absolutely. And the independent living, uh, the Meadows? And uh, St. Lean as well, yes. Yeah.
0: And I'll subscribe every uh, every trustee here to grab some and distribute them in Vallejo and in Calistoga and everywhere in between. If we could help at all, uh, we can. Uh, this is a corollary, but there's also the other side of it, and uh, Doug Ernst is not here. But in the wine business, we did uh, a little research with the three uh, publications and advertised and see if it affected our, our coverage as well as our scores in those publications. You'd be surprised at the results. So let's move on to 14.3.2. You're baiting in it. She didn't tell oh, us Oh, excuse me. Yeah, four, four, 14.3.9. <laughs> Thomas Brown
14: and Associates. Maybe if I could start. Is that OK? Please, I think, with okay. Permission. Yes. Okay, First of all, I'd I like to, to, to acknowledge the, the concern uh, shared by Ms. Bode. Um, Currently, actually currently, but for the last six or seven years, the international student um, population here at Napa College has lingered. I should say um, it's been stagnant around 30 students per year, less than 30 students per year. And so for a while, for the last four years at least, it's been sort of my personal goal as a vice president for student services to find ways to try to bring more students uh, because the thought is that Napa College is an institution that should have more students, and also try to follow the the same foot, footsteps that other community colleges have in terms of bringing in more more students. And so I have inquired. I, I, I've asked of Sky, Skyline College. I've asked of DVC, and what they have told me. And I've also uh, I was at a conference uh, um, two weeks ago uh, for the CSSOs, uh, which is a board that, that I'm on. And I've asked this question: Well, how how have you done it? And it's always you need to bring in the experts. You need to bring the individuals that have that knowledge base, that have that foundation. But more importantly, they have the, the experience working with this population and how to create the, the plan that's going to be a strategy to ensure that your college is going to bring in the numbers, create that pipeline, because it's about a pipeline. And so that's what I've done. I mean, I can't do it alone. I don't have the time. Uh, uh, my staff doesn't have uh, a time. So my idea with this contract was to get someone Knew she has 38 years of experience. She's been the national chairperson for uh, for national students. Um, she was the one that had to sponsor the the uh, the national uh, conference for 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 student advisors here three months ago. And so I'm I'm banking on what she's charging us is going to give us more than what she's charging us. One thing that that, that was not made clear in 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 the contract is that in fact we will come out with, with a plan going to be very strategic we will come out with networks that she is going to create for us and we will come out with something that's going to uh, guarantee that, that our numbers will start to in, uh, increase because I don't have the knowledge of these things I don't have the knowledge of how to do the outreach that's appropriate to, to international students I could do it here lo- locally because I have that knowledge but I don't have the knowledge of international students and again, the schools that I've talked to, the CSSOs that, uh, that I've talked to have repeatedly told me, Oscar, you can't do it alone. You need to bring someone in that, uh, that knows this business because, yes, folks, it is a business. And it's a business that hopefully will increase the funding here for this college. It's a business that hopefully will bring in students to diversify our student po- po- population. And and understand uh, the amount is hefty. The, the report seems to be pretty, pretty hefty in terms of its cost. But there's other elements within the understanding that I have with, with Nushi that is going to incorporate for this cost. Again, the planning, the, uh, the, the networking, and her 38 years plus of experience. But I but understand how the, the price does seem high. Um, but it's not all that we're going to get for, for that cost. So I mean, that's all I can really say about it. Uh, can Motion in a
0: second.
3: I'll make a motion to approve. I, what I want to do. Second. Uh, this, you know, the, the uh, interim time I spent after I retired in Southern California, I mean, they hire a full-time person just to do this around the fact that international stu- uh, students pay, the tuition that they pay all stays with us. So the $6,000. Uh,
14: Is one student. Yeah. Is one international student.
3: Yeah. And I certainly, you know, respect what the faculty saying that, hey, you know, we can't even go to a conference, uh, but uh, this could be, you know, this could generate funds that, in fact, uh, be specifically earmarked for that.
1: Some of it. That's a game plan.
4: I just, well, a couple, two things. Um, well, first I was wondering, because it says, 20 years ago that we had a robust international student population. I know there's not a lot of people around that were the, here back then, but I, was. I think you were, so I'm, I'm just wondering why. Like, why was it robust before and it's not robust now?
14: That's, that's a question. That's part of what the study is going to help us uh, uh, You find out through the interviews and the focus groups because one thing is to have population, but the other is what do we offer those students here? Are we offering them what they really need? Uh, maybe it's not. Uh, we don't have the 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 full complement of services that they deserve. We we had a counselor who was assigned to counsel these individuals. Now he's gone, so we're sort of counselor less, you know, in, in respect. So those are the things that I want to learn from from the students. I want to learn from the faculty who 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 have invited you to participate in this. But um, no, at one time we had over, over 120, and that's back in the 70s, 80s when I was here for my third, my, my first or three times. And and it really saddened me when I got back here 12 years ago. The number that had declined in its population, and maybe some of it had to do with, uh, uh, with uh, you know with the wars and and the anti immigrant status uh, things i 'm not sure what it was, but something happened that created the, that, the decline right now. the main pipeline that that we 're looking at all schools are looking at is the Chinese pipeline, the Asian pipeline because they're very interested in learning especially about viticulture. The thirty students we have uh, probably twelve are specifically enrolled in 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 uh, in so we need to take advantage of that and create something that everybody gets a chance to enjoy. But uh, but but is your question specifically? I don't have the data specifically as to what happened.
4: I guess well. And then my when I saw this, my concern was, um, well, I'm always concerned about consultants because I feel like you know we have very highly paid administrators that you know I always feel maybe could be doing some of these things. But um, I. I just when they talked about their methodology, talking to students, talking to faculty, that's what I was thinking. Like, can't you talk to students? <laughs> you talk? You know, not you specifically, but the administration. So I just I was just trying to visualize that. Like, we've, how are students going to know how to bring in international students, or how is faculty going to know? I I, I hear what you're saying as far as you know they might know, like they're experts in this, they might know how to bring these people in and have those connections, but I just didn't get how going to some students and some faculty out there what's were going to know.
14: Well, see, part of it is that we want to find out what we don't know. You know. Why is it that we don't know how to bring in more students or why haven't we? Uh, what is it that we don't know? And that's what we're, uh, we're trying to f- figure out, what we don't know and what we do know, and then figure out a game plan that's, that's going to put us on, on, on track to increase this this population, because that's part of it. I mean, you asked me a question. I said, you know, uh, we don't know. Uh, and so that's what the study is, is is going to do. is going to assist us, this college, with better identifying what we need to do to bring this population, if, in fact, we want them here. May, maybe we don't, but,
4: but then, I mean, we do. You mentioned the wine industry, because, I mean, interns come from all over the world during harvest, and, um, you know, Obviously, that's the main thing that makes us unique is the wine industry, and I could see maybe somehow expanding the number of students we bring in um, from other countries because maybe of a, like an internship program, but somehow tie um, Napa Valley College into that. But that would be the maybe the wine industry is a connection for that. Is how do, how do they bring all those interns from all over the world? Um, what's the process, and you know how do they find those students? Um, and some, see if we could connect in with that in some way. But anyway.
12: I don't have a question. I'm curious through the study to see how we um, do the housing part of it. Yeah, that's the like big an issue. Program. I so and I wonder if that's what was bigger in the past. As you, more you know,
14: yeah, well, I've, 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 I've been crying about this because this is an issue also, of course. But what I found is that uh, uh, Minushi, Currently, she 's also she, she 's a president of the Kasuga, uh sodomist so Club, uh, and so what she 's done uh, is that she 's gone to I mean, Rowrie clubs and Sodomist clubs and she has she has indicated that she 's very surprised by the number of members of those groups that are willing to take in someone they 're willing to rent their uh, their room and make the, the extra income, but also have someone from another country living with them We also have have have, 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 uh, have done a bit, a bit of research with Justin. Uh, is in Siena, because they have dormitories that they don't use in, in the summertime. So that's the feasibility of, of housing people there. I've also talked to P- PUC, because they have dormitories as well. Uh, and they say, you know, in the summertime, if for any summer projects or short-term things, you know, come on down. And so there have been other areas we've looked at. There's a space at St. At hospital. But Nushi guarantees me that she can locate the housing necessary. Now, we're going to see 80 students come at once, this to be like gradual, you know, maybe 15, 20 at a, at a time every year. So she, she's, she's very confident that within our service communities and members of such, that housing can be accommodated. Just to
12: piggyback on what Amy was saying about the medical wine side of it, there's also the hospitality element, and people would be willing to come from other countries
8: to learn the hospitality industry. And again, again, you say one student is a break-even point on this, and $6, per, per so second. you know, as far as I can see, it's almost a no-brainer, and I, I would call for the question.
16: Uh, one, one last comment before you do that. Um, the thing is, you all keep focusing on international students. Uh, th- this, this amount of money actually is uh, brought in by non-residents, so it's not just international students. It's, it, it's students that do not reside in California. And so as you develop this program, you should also be looking at the fact that you don't have to bring people from other countries. You just have to bring people who don't live in California to
14: bring in this money.
12: Do we know how many out of California students we have? Do you have that information, Chris?
14: Yeah, we have you know actually we have approximately 125 to 150, and and they and, and many are not many but there's quite a few that are, that are athletes as well. Um, so these two groups they they complement the student body of the institution, whether they be from other countries or they be from other states.
4: Do Do we have any courses that are around internship? Like like I said, every year people come from all over to do these internships during harvest. Um, uh, so I'm just wondering like are, are there any courses where like, like could they do an internship in the winery in the in the field or in the vineyard? Is that
16: Well, our work study as well as our work experience classes address that, and I think Diana has a comment in regard to that, so nope, go ahead. We have a. I was just saying that our work, our work experience, and our work study programs are all addressing that, and so, um, so we do. Yes, we do have classes that are, that are directed at Thank
0: that. Thank you. We have a um, motion and a second on the on the table. All those in favor, second divide by, by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Fifteen. Uh, Point zero action items. Fifteen point one institutional effectiveness partnership initiative aspirational goals and partnership resource team. Boy,
3: you have uh, everything reporting in this uh, this month's meetings. That give you a break for next couple of months.
2: <laughs> well, I, I realized recently that I will actually be. Not in Napa for both the July and the August meetings. So, um, by alignment of the planets, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it just so happens that way. Okay, so the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative. Um, so this was an initiative that was developed by the Chancellor's Office last year, and the Chancellor's Office website describes this new program as a collaborative effort to help colleges and districts improve their fiscal and operational effectiveness and promote student success while also reducing accreditation sanctions and audit findings. So as I've outlined here on the slide, there are two parts of the initiative. Um, The indicators are of effectiveness which include both student achievement measures and institutional effectiveness measures. And then the second part of the program is the partnership resource team. So I'm going to talk about each of those in turn. So first, the indicators and aspirational goals. Uh, When the Chancellor's Office rolled out this initiative last year, they originally identified approximately 20 measures that would be incorporated into the Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative. Uh, Last year, which represented year one, we were required to identify one-year goals for four measures. Um, This year, that has been expanded to include both one-year and six-year aspirational goals for seven measures, so to date it appears that they are planning to rule this out until we get or start to approach the uh, level of 20 measures. Uh, the purpose of establishing the aspirational goals is to encourage continuous improvement among the California community colleges. Uh, so the recommended goals that are presented for your consideration tonight emerged from discussion among several campus committees and groups and they're presented here uh, in the table for you and they were also included in the backup materials. Uh, The aspirational goals are on the agenda as an action item for your approval so that we can communicate them to the Chancellor's Office by the deadline uh, next month. However, before we get to that, I also wanted to take this opportunity to provide some additional information to the second piece of the program, which is the partnership resource teams uh, and what Ron referenced in uh, his President's report uh, earlier tonight. So, the Chancellor's Office has secured funding to offer every college the opportunity to request a resource team to help identify and implement effective practices to help address areas for improvement that are identified by the college. The teams are composed of California Community College faculty and staff who have experience and expertise in the area of identified need. The team assigned to Napa Valley College will Uh, assist us and will come visit the campus in the fall They'll learn more about our needs and then work with us to develop an implementation plan for improvement. So earlier this semester uh, we submitted a letter of interest requesting help developing effective practices and structures to support strengthen and integrate planning and resource allocation processes. Um, Our request was approved and we're now in the process of scheduling the two visits for the fall Um, At this point, we do not know the membership of the team assigned to MVC, but I know that uh, the chancellor's office and the IEP program are working on that. Um, The most exciting opportunity associated with the partnership resource teams is that once we've developed an implementation plan, we can apply to the chancellor's office, Bob likes this part, uh, for up to $150,000 of seed money, uh, which is intended to help us accelerate our plans for improvement. Um, so, I, again, I'm happy to answer any questions, and I do want to emphasize that this is on the agenda for the approval of the goals. So we have to get to that business, too. Any
0: questions? Or I hear a motion
2: and a I'll move second. approval.
9: I'll second.
0: move properly second Go ahead, Amy, yeah. with a question.
4: First, um, yeah, first question is, um, the, so the 2017 goals, is that base, our baseline? Is that where we're at right now?
2: No, so that's where we would like to be a year from now. Okay.
4: Um, Okay, and then I was just wondering like six years out I just was wondering it doesn't seem like to only go try to improve a half a percentage point over six years for course completion. I was just wondering about that because it doesn't sound
2: So all of these, um, so we identified um, uh, several uh, recommending bodies of committees um, across campus um, to help uh, work on each of these and they did look at um, data associated, you know, um, reflecting recent performance. Um, the, I can tell you that the discussion about the successful course completion rate included looking at where we've been recently and also looking where we um, fall in relationship to other California community colleges. And we do pr- currently perform consistently above the average of the system. And so part of the discussion was um, maybe that if, if it were left to us in terms of identifying our most important goal locally, that might not be exactly what we would focus on. Um, and so that was part of the discussion. Um, there has been some fluctuation in recent years and um, so that was where the half of 1% emerged. Um, I w- will say also that um, you know, as I emphasized earlier that this is the first time we've had to do both one year and six year goals for an increased number of measures and we will be doing this every year. So, as they continue to phase in the proje- uh, this project or uh, add measures, so it'll be kind of a revolving one, we'll then go for the six years. So, you don't have to stay year. with that target. So, and part I can it's say like the other part, the other so. part of it is that, um, and the planning committee discussed this, is that uh, to date the chancellor's office has not indicated that will, there will be any um, performance uh, funding re- related to um, the indicators for success. And I think there is some concern that if there is some punitive um, arrangement, that if we are too high in our aspirational goals and don't achieve them, there might be some um, impact on the district. So we're obviously continuing to monitor as they phase this in. I think there's been lots of discussion um, up and down the state about these. And I know that uh, when, for that, what we call it, the super conference that included the statewide Senate, the CIOs, the CSSOs, um, this was one of the topics of conversation there, or presentations there.
0: All right, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, abstain.
4: I'm abstain.
0: Right, we've been in uh, here for uh, three hours. We're going to stand up, take a five minute break. Uh, yeah. Three hours. Since the last. Are we on fifteen
4: point three point one?
0: That's correct.
11: So what you have in front of you, the the first one, 15.3.1, this is our uh, quarterly 311 that uh, the Chancellor's Office requires, and this really is a compilation of information that's included in the big packet of quarterly financial reports. The Chancellor's Office is primarily interested in on the 311, interested in our general fund unrestricted, and so... The information that's on the quarterly 311 is a repeat of the information that is in the big packet of uh, quarterly financial statements. In terms of the quarterly financial statements, I just draw your attention to two things in the quarterly financial statements. On page two, if you look at the column labeled uh, "Revised Budget 1516," you will see that our uh, our uh, uh, projection for this year at the end of the year is that our revenues will equal our expenditures. And so for the first time this year, we are not forecasting a deficit for the current fiscal year. We expect, hope, that uh, we will actually add a little bit to our fund balance this year. But we do not expect, yes, that's (laughs) <laughs> that is good news, but we do not expect uh, to run a deficit this year. The other thing that I'd like to bring to your attention, which is on page three, that's the general fund balance sheet, is just to indicate, and this had been discussed with the uh, audit committee. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. Did you where,
4: where is this? you Do we have this document online? Wh- which item is it?
1: This- I don't. Okay, so yeah,
4: I thought we were on one. Okay, okay. Sorry, go ahead.
11: I'm sorry. I apologize. I just want to take them one at a time.
4: Well, I just had a question about the first one. Sure. Um, I was wondering why it repeats twice. So you have the um, unrestricted general fund revenue, expenditure, and fund balance, and then when you go down to the Page 3, it has
1: it again. See what I'm talking about?
4: Like repeated twice.
11: And so this, you know, unfortunately this is a form that we receive from the state chancellor's office. And so uh, the, the requirements of the form are to complete each of, the, each of the sections of the form. And so you've got, I'm sorry, Carolee, could you scroll up to the top? And so you've got general fund revenue expenditure and fund balance. And so then you look at the fund balance uh, at the beginning of the year, then any prior period adjustments, and then you come up with the uh, fund balance at the end. And, and this is – so these are our projections um, as of the quarter ended March 31st. So we've got year-to-date actuals, and then we have our projected projected actuals as of June 30th. Um, If we scroll down and then we're asked for annualized uh, attendance FTES. Right. And so then what comes next is a series of percentages. And so um, the fund balance is repeated here, but the main purpose of this, um, this section of the 311. Is that percentage column at the far right? So it does repeat information that you see up above, but it puts it in a slightly different format.
4: My other question: so it's this one that reflects the correction, the 1.2 million dollar correction. So that actually, if
11: you if you scroll back up, and it's also reflected in the in the other um, other financials, but notice that there is a prior year adjustment adjustment listed there and that's the so you see fund balance beginning of four million four point seven million and then there's a prior period of adjustment of about 1.1 and that brings us to our current fund balance or the ending fund balance of uh, three point about three point7 million and I just
4: kind of related to that I was wondering that That question towards the bottom, it says, um, question six, did the the district have significant events for the quarter, including and one of the things they mentioned, significant differences in budgeted revenues or expenditures? That wouldn't be an example of that?
11: No, because it's a prior period adjustment. And so what this is reflecting, when they ask the question, what they're talking about is, the third quarter, or the quarter ended March 31st, were there variations in revenues or expenditures for that quarter? There were not. Where it's indicated, though, is in the, it's called out on the uh, 311 report as a prior period adjustment.
4: And then this last question um, I asked you this in email, but I didn't really understand. Um, so the last time we, we approved, um, a quarterly financial so it was in February. Right. So wasn't that one based on the error?
11: Do you so, know what I'm saying?
4: So that one doesn't have to be corrected because it's corrected here? Is that how it exactly, works? Exactly,
11: yeah. And so so standard practice, these are interim statements. Um, and so the corrections are made as we go along throughout the year, and mm-hmm. so we wouldn't typically go back, and the state chancellor's office wouldn't require us to go back and make changes to the interim unaudited financial statements, as long as we're disclosing any of those corrections as we move forward. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. So we're ready to proceed to, we'll take these as full?
4: I, can we, are we moving on to two? Yes. Okay, I just had one question about two. Uh,
0: uh, 15.3.2. Okay,
11: and so we already talked about page one, and then here on page two I just want to point out that we do also reflect, if you scroll down a little further, Carolee, we do also reflect the uh, prior period adjustment here as well.
4: Where um, okay. This was the one you said... Um, that the sale of the Menlo property would show up on the next budget report? Is that here?
11: And so it, it is not, and the reason that it's not is that the Menlo property hasn't actually closed escrow yet, and so the initial deposit of a half a million dollars is being held in escrow right now, and until it closes escrow, and it won't close escrow until the second payment is made. At that point, then, it would be reflected on the statements.
0: Any other questions on 15.3.2? Moving to
11: 15.3.3. So 15.3.3 is our Chancellor's Office fiscal health checklist. And I would just um, call your attention to a couple of things on this one. Uh, Question number one, deficit spending, is this area acceptable? For the first time this fiscal year, that first answer has changed from a no to a yes because we are not deficit spending. Is the district spending within their revenue budget in the current year? That has also changed from a no to a yes. Um, Fund balance, we still indicate that this area is at risk, and that's because we we have not, over recent years, maintained a stable fund balance. That's not to say that we have ever failed to fall below the required 5% reserve. Never done that but the fund balance has fluctuated from year to year, and so that's why that is listed um, as at-risk. And then finally on this page under number three in enrollment, the last question, has the district avoided stabilization funding? And that remains as an at-risk on this report, because if we don't meet our FTES and our, uh, uh, our uh, uh, base funding amount, For this year, then we would move into stabilization at that point. So year hasn't closed yet, so it's not it's 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 uh, not a yes, not a no, but it is an area that we're watching.
4: What does that mean? Stabilization funding.
11: So stabilization means uh, the 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 uh, college is uh, is given a base amount of funding from the state, and it's a mix of so the state says for every credit FTES that you generate, you get a certain amount of money for every non-credit and every non-credit CDCP. And they take those numbers plus our base allocation for operating the campus and they come up with what our base funding is. Uh, If we meet or exceed that level, then that remains our base funding. If we fall below that level so we don't generate the the budgeted amount of FTES in credit, non-credit, or non-credit CDCP, or our mixed changes to an extent that we fall below our base funding rate, then the state, you enter into what the state calls stabilization. And what stabilization means is that your funding level won't be decreased, but you have, this is your first year in stabilization, you have two more years to get yourself back up to that base funding level before your new amount becomes your base funding level.
0: Any other questions? I'll ask for a motion and a second on the int- Move oh,
6: to approve
0: 15.3. Second. Move properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries fifteen three. Thanks very much, Mister Parker. Now we're moving to fifteen four. The Valley Community College District Governmental Accounting Standards Board SP Actuarial Evaluation and Revised Funding Plan for Other. Move students. to approve. Do I hear a second? Second. Any discussion on that?
4: Actually, yes, I have a,
0: I have a question.
4: Well, at one point, we had talked about looking at. The health benefits, um, and I just, well, first, I, I wonder how they are currently. So retirees, um, I'm just wondering how what their health benefits are like. Do they get full coverage? Is it a supplement on Medicare? Is it, what, what, is, what are the retiree health benefits currently for the college?
11: I think I'll defer to our Director of Human Resources for that.
4: And thank you, colleague, for directing <laughs> that to
9: me when um, waking me up. Um, Yes, right now we do cover once a retiree reaches the age of 65, they are required to sign up for Medicare, and at that point we cover 50% of the basic premium.
4: Okay, so is that kind of like a supplement, like the supplement, or no?
9: Yes, we we have the Medicare supplement, and then we have the Medicare Advantage, and so if the board is interested, I can definitely um, provide more information to the specifics of how that works.
4: Well, I, I just remember some conversation. I don't remember the specifics, but that a lot of colleges... No? Okay. Never mind. I don't know. Kyle says I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> okay. talk about it. <laughs> anyway, I, just, I was wondering what other colleges do, if they do it the same as we do, most of them, are different, or... Um, if there's any information that we could get at some point about that, what the different options are. Because I'm wondering when we ratify these documents, are we saying that, you know, I don't know. I'd kind of like to know what the different options are in terms of OPED benefits, like the health care benefits for retirees um, and what other colleges do.
5: Well, I don't think we can change any of that. That's probably by contract that they have those
0: rights.
4: Yeah. So we have a... No, it would be from this point forward. I think that was discussion.
0: We negotiated. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Motion carries. 15.5 financial documents. It's the warrants, 15.5 in its entirety.
1: Motion to approve.
0: And a second over there with Joanne. Any discussion?
6: I just have one quick question.
0: Yes, <laughs> Just a <laughs> really quick
6: clarification. Most of them you can tell what they are. There was one that was like 52000 and all it said was Mid-America.
11: What is Mid-America? So, yes, it is <laughs> insurance, and, okay. and so right. that would that would be through. Um, uh, uh, I don't even know
9: anything okay. else. <laughs> can I clarify who motioned and seconded? I don't recognize everyone's we have voice.
8: A real motion, Joanne second.
4: Thank, Thank you very you. much. Yeah, All right. To, uh, I just had the two that I asked about. Do you have those by any chance? Certainly, and I
11: do. So, so you had asked about um, two somewhat large payments, although not $52,000, but um, <laughs> one was for PCM slash Tiger Direct, and that was for $33,500. And that was actually a purchase. It was made for our criminal justice program through uh, their VITIA funds, and it was to purchase 50 notebook computers to use in the testing that's required uh, through that program. So there's a national test that they have to complete, and they use those notebooks uh, uh, for that. Uh, The other was to Matrix HG Incorporated for $37,167.00. And that was a scheduled maintenance purchase. It was replacing the exhaust fan in the welding area. And so that was something that uh, needed to be replaced was on our scheduled maintenance for this year. And so that was what that purchase was for.
0: Thank you very much. All right. Uh, All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much. We are now at the board reports. 16-1, 16-1, Standing Committee, Viticulture and Winery Foundation, Board of Directors, Rafael Rios.
5: Well, we did have a meeting, and uh, I had some notes, which I cannot locate. Um, Dr. Kraft was there. I'm sure he can help me out, but just as in I can. Some, um, general comments, there's a lot of kind of exciting stuff going on with what the... Uh, Napa Valley College Foundation is is working on that you heard about a little bit about the what they want to try to to raise money for uh, the program to expand the facilities and and maybe build a wine center wine forget what you described institute. it as institute mm-hmm. so that that's um, exciting we um, talked about sales. Uh, and working on increasing the sales, actually doing a little bit more strategic planning um, in relation to kind of the business side of the winemaking um, to really try to target the, the sales efforts. Um, and then... One thing that I I thought was exciting was that uh we heard from I believe it was Paul Wagner about these uh people that are in the industry very well known people internationally known who are actually very interested in in coming here to Napa Valley College to teach seminars and and do some other programs um which I think a lot of that could tie into some of the stuff we were been talking about, trying to attract the international students. I think that's some some of the things that kind of go hand in hand. If you we want to build and I'm not talking just about the wine program, but I think the hospitality and the culinary arts programs are, you know, three of the programs that that really I mean, you know, math and, and chemistry and, and all those other things are exciting but they, they don't quite reach the same sort of, you know, national or international audiences uh, that would uh, really lead to to building the the program that, at least I know a lot of us would like to see in the viticulture and um, enology area. Uh, so I think that some of these things could really, you know, work together to, to build that for the benefit of the entire college um, and all of the other students in, in other programs also um so those those were some of the highlights i can i can remember, and I'll ask Ron if there were some other details I guess, that I think compliance the... yes, compliance is a big issue for for wineries and and we have to do the same compliance here, keeping track of you know the grapes that come in, how much wine is actually made from that, and where all the wine goes and and the taxes and everything and and the uh, regular reports, which um, I think part of the problem with the foundation, the, the VWT, is that there's there's uh, not there hasn't been one person in charge of any of this, and and certainly nobody who had the background knowledge, you know, to to deal with that. And there's been a compliance uh, consultant hired at this point to make sure that we are in compliance, because if we're not, we can't continue to teach. <laughs> Uh, not to mention, you know, make the wine. Um, so that was done. Uh, discussion about the um, wine tasting room is the tasting room itself is coming along. It's not quite done. Uh, the building, uh, Paul and Greg, the building programs to make sure that that's being used as, as an educational component, also not just as a tourist attraction. Um, so there's a lot going on um, around.
0: The call just back in Bellegas. So shoppers. Yeah, Michael was there as well.
5: It uh, yeah, there was a report uh, by Chris.
10: Chris Morantz,
5: uh, our sales uh, person. Um, he is staying on top of them. Um, they're continuing to order wine. They're still pushing, trying to uh, get the regional, expand this out regionally uh, to Whole Foods. The, one of the uh, challenges with that um, is that there's always, there's high turnover in wine buyers in, in all stores and, and wine shops, and he's running into a little bit of that, that there's been a turnover, and he's, you have to kind of start back at square one to, to build it back up to try to get it into those bigger programs. But otherwise, that's that's going well.
0: Very good. Sixteen point one point two. Congratulations, Amy.
4: Um. Okay. So first, just some community concerns that were brought to me. Um, one of them related to Dean Ellen, Ellen, who just retired. Um. Apparently, he, he said at the end of last year that he was going to retire, and there's some angst that we're getting toward the end of this year, and his position still hasn't been fielded, and he's the director. Uh, this is McPherson. Uh, oh, McPherson? I thought I was doing board reports already. No, this is
0: McPherson, oh. 16.1.2. Yeah, we're,
4: we're, we're done. We're, yes. we're done with that. Yes.
0: All right. So you've been relieved. <laughs> You're open for more work now. Uh, 16.1.3, Redevelopment Oversight Committee.
3: Ah uh, yes, we met this morning and approved the contract uh, for the purchase of the uh, fire museum, so that 's done doesn 't mean anything financially to the unified district or to us because that building was purchased with HUD money uh, which means it has to go back to the city of napa 's cdGB fund, which uh, you know they 're scrambling to come up. Uh, <laughs> With uh, what to do with it i mean there there's a certain amount that goes to profits via the grant part, but then city has a lot of needs related to special populations, curb cuts uh that kind of uh and some other repair sort of things they can use it for but ultimately uh a meeting that I was at yesterday where the city manager was, the question was raised and What the council is looking at is uh, uh, a housing project. As you saw in this morning's paper, they're in the process, you know, New City Hall, which frees up a piece of land. so the money from the sale of the fire museum could well go to to a housing project. And I'll meet you in closed session. I seem to have dropped my cell phone someplace. Uh,
0: All right, very good. 16.1.4, 16.1.4, Legislative Affairs Committee. I'll ask Dan so, to report I'm out on so that.
8: We didn't meet. So. Went All
0: right, 16.1.5, sure Audit Committee. I'll ask Dan to report well, out on that. We still didn't meet, so there's no um, report. Okay. 16.2, Ad Hoc Committee Reports. This is the Guardi Show again. Foundation-District Relationship. Uh, how's that going?
8: I believe, again, no report, right? We've right, had no report, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, and we, uh, Board of Trustees, uh, that was outstanding. Uh, you brought forth to us, and we'll come back with that uh, next month. Additional information as well as you're going to look at the minutes and report out, uh, or excuse me, ask counsel to comment. Uh, uh, trustee reports. Well, back to you, Amy. 16.3. Now where we've got the... Uh, Pick up where you left off. Yes.
4: <laughs> okay. So Dean Allen, who is, I uh, guess, the head of the Machine Tool Technology Program um, apparently put in his retirement at the end of last year. It's getting towards the end of this year, and um, last I heard, the position still hadn't been fielded, and so there's some angst about that. Um, And it similar, we heard a similar complaint um, with the VWT instructors that they gave their notice well in advance, and then kind of we waited to the last minute to field it, and then there was a crisis situation. So I guess there's just specific this position, but also just in general. Um, a concern about waiting so long um, to field positions when these instructors are giving advance notice. Um, The second thing um, also came from the community, and it had to do with our board policies. Um, They're all listed online, but many of them don't have active links, um, so people can't access them. And I understand that some of them are under review, But until they're changed, the old policies are still the existing policies. So um, I'd like to request that all of the policies are active and accessible. And when we change them, they'll change. But in the meantime, I I think they should all be accessible to the public. Um, And then a couple of concerns I have. um, I'm actually concerned about the situation with the, the architect and the VWT building. It's not that I'm against the building. I'm just wondering about process. We don't have an approved campus master plan. We don't have an updated facilities master plan. So I'm just concerned about process, that this is all happening outside of um, the shared governance process, outside of the process of approving a campus master plan and a facilities master plan. Um, so I'm concerned about process there. Also, um, also kind of about know very much about process. I'm concerned with the way the change to the audit was handled. Um, We were directed to all have individual meetings with um, Mr. Parker and I I feel that one, that that's a waste of his time to have to explain it over and over again. I at least spent an hour with him trying to understand it Um, so for him to do that with each trustee I think is a waste of time but I also think it goes against our whole board policy. You know, We have this idea of a whole board that we all get the same information. So I feel that could have been a study session, a special session, where in one hour we all got the explanation of what happened to the budget. Um, Not only would we all then have the same information, and it would save him time, but also transparency. I feel that the way that we um, had the full explanation was not transparent before the public. Um, So I would just like, you know if there's something major that needs an explanation, I'd like to see that happen as a whole board in a study session. Um, I'm sorry, Amy. What uh, was that was about the audit? The change to the We called it the change to the audit, but or change to the budget. Oh but, the past, the prior the audit committee. Yeah. Uh, the um the budget adjustment, right?
11: The prior period adjustment. Prior period adjustment.
4: adjustment. Yeah. Um, I think that could have been a special um, session. Um let's see. Oh, and then I love this new flyer. Uh, This was at my school. It was dropped off at my school. I think this is very effective. It it has a list of all the certificates and associate degrees. I I think it's one page. I like that. But also, I think many people don't know um, the certificates and the associate degrees that are offered here at the college. And um, I think, you know, if students not just students, anybody could see, oh, they have welding, oh, they have photography. I think it's just very effective for them to see what's offered. It's one page, and then you know, they might be motivated to go online and look at the actual courses that are a part of these programs. So I, I love that. Uh, and then lastly, I want to thank Terry Junie. Um I really appreciate uh, passion, your obvious passion for education, how detail-oriented you are, how hardworking you are, um, you know your passion is obvious. I mean, even that you get choked up talking about acknowledging people. Um, and I'm going to miss another green is going from the board. So I appreciate you know having a fellow green and, and on the board and in uh, your focus on student learning and student achievement. And you'll definitely be missed. So good luck with what you do.
0: Thank you very much, Kyle. And, and uh, by the, I think we'll have a board policy on uh, reports. Post reports. Go ahead, Kyle.
12: I uh, went to a few events this week. I made it to the STEM and MESA event. I also was at the OPS. I didn't get to stay and eat the food at both of them, but they were well attended, and I think they were great events. And MESA and STEM, that's a great program. Uh, also, I'm sad to see Terry leaving. You were great when I was... Starting to learn the ropes here, and I love your thorough and correct way of doing things and no frills, straight to the point. Which is nice. And I'm free.
0: Thank you, Dan.
8: Um, First, I'd like to comment on the uh, building trades career fair. I think it was very well attended, and I think it was a rousing success in the sense that they not only got an idea of the, the various apprenticeship programs, but they got a hands-on taste of how to actually do some of those things. They built a metal toolbox. They built a wooden toolbox. They got to operate a, uh, a backhoe, a small demonstration backhoe. The only damper on it was a torrential rainstorm, the only day all month that it rained, and it all came down to that one day. It didn't ruin the event, but <laughs> it sure literally put a damper on it. It was a... But despite the rain, it was a it was a wonderful event, and I'd like to see it go on again. I'd like to, in the future, if we have another event like that, I'd like to know have people sign in so we know how many college students have checked it. There was high school kids that were bused in, and but I really have no idea how many of our uh, of our students participated in that. It'd be nice to know. Uh, also, I went to the McPherson awards dinner. Kyle was there. Our luncheon, I mean. Food was great. Wine was great. Good show, Terry. And uh, what was what I liked about it is I know we've got great faculty here, and some of them I've gotten to know a little bit. But I don't know necessarily all the details of what they do, and this gave me a really good vision of the details of, uh, of Dan and what he does, and the guy's great. It's we have some amazing people here, and I've, I was glad to to see the details that we can't see on a regular basis. But that also dovetails into my the third thing I was going to talk about. I got in a conversation with Carol Lee and with uh, Kate Ben Is that how you pronounce her name? And I got to talking about that uh, I had ridden in the Cycle for Sight. I was Pretty proud of myself, did the 25-mile route. I didn't realize that Kate did that, too. I didn't see her there. But um, one of the rest stops, Kyle was working the table with Bob Harris. And uh, Kyle asked me, he says, why didn't you tell me? I I would like to have ridden with you. And I said, to be honest with you, I wanted to ride alone just in case I was going to chicken out at the last minute. (laughs) But it was it was great. I did the tw- there was a fifteen, a twenty-five, and a fifty mile. I did the twenty-five, came out uh, still standing. It was it was a lot of fun. But what got me turned on about bike riding, I'm, I'd mentioned before that I got a bicycle in January. The Vine Trail, it's happening. It's almost done from uh, Redwood Road to Yauntville. But the focal, the starting point is right here at Napa College. And on the weekends, we have a big open parking lot. We have a potential for a big fundraiser if we want to do that. have the the Napa Valley College cycle for whatever charity, whether it's scholarships at the foundation. We would also encourage staff and students to ride their bike to school. I'd be a big proponent of setting up more lockable bike racks, even coverable in, in the rain. And now that you can ride from downtown Napa without a problem, I think the fundraiser deal would be great. Carol Lee said that she would like to help fund that, and 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 I would like to challenge all of the trustees to either ride in it, ride in the cycle for sight, for sure. And if you don't ride, then volunteer. But also, if we have our own cycle thing, we've all got to be involved in that. It's it's a fun way to raise money, and it's the perfect place because I'll guarantee that once Vine Trail is done, people are going to ask permission to do their cycle events beginning here so we should jump on it ourselves
0: we going have campus to campus and have a culinary arts do a lot absolutely yeah. absolutely and so they have to pick up a brownie or something to get all the way back and they get brownie points and the most person the person with the most brownie points wins
8: it's going to be a little while before they get yeah. Yonville to San yeah. Helena, but uh, you can ride on the trail turn off
0: yeah. Yonville go. good idea Marianne thank you very much Dan
6: So we had a ribbon-cutting in American Canyon of our brand-new farmer's market. And Mike Thompson came and, you know, a few other uh, elected officials. And uh, it was packed the first week. The second week was Mother's Day. So it wasn't quite as busy the second week. But lots of hope. Um, It's a good one. It's a really, really good one with lots of organic uh, products. So please come and visit us at the American Canyon Farmers Market. It's currently located over by the uh, pool, that parking lot by the pool, by the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and then this morning, uh, we had our Government Affairs Committee, and we hold that at uh, the American Canyon High School Conference Room Administration Building. And uh, a couple of things that were talked about, Keith Caldwell talked about, uh, the Devlin Road completion There's quite a bit of it already completed um, There are some vine trail pieces of that as well That they're still working on But but what really I think jumped out at me about it Is that with that access With that Devlin Road completion um, Just all the opportunities there are jo- For jobs and really good jobs Uh, To come here to the valley So um, I think we want to keep our eye on that And um, You know look at Where you know what's coming And where we might be A part of that So I know I was sitting with my Colleague on the workforce investment board Workforce development board Who's the chair Jerry Gill And uh, her and I were just Kind of bouncing some ideas back and forth At the time Uh, So that was one thing, and then the other thing is we had government day at American Canyon High School, and we had uh, a few of our members speak. One of them was Maida uh, Ayala from Mike Thompson's office, and uh, we surveyed the students ahead of time, what they wanted to hear about, and a lot of it was, how do we get into college? You know, what... How You know, where is it affordable? How do we do? How do we do? It was all the how do we. Um, So I think that there's still some work we could do out there and uh, maybe get some more of the message out. And then just one other thing with uh, what we talked about earlier today or earlier in the meeting. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Uh, When we talked about the newspaper is that – I do have a marketing background. I worked as vice president of operations for a digital marketing company and I know that there is a lot of data out there. And I think that um we should make an effort to like Michael was saying, you know, what you what he was saying was more about a targeted group that it was directly handed to and um you know I, I don't think we can ignore how many people really are connected, and how much uh, analytics we get out of digital, uh, you know, directions, digital channels. So, um, anyway, I, can we please just, you know, kind of look into that a little bit further? Thank you very much. Joanne?
5: Nothing to report. Rafael? Yes, one item. Um you know I've asked a, a number of times and maybe this was in the VWT about uh, our connection our you know wine viticulture program here and uh, connection to UC Davis and and whether our students continue on um, and not the the answer has been pretty much no and, and I've asked well why not and um, I actually had uh, David Block, the, um, the chair of the UC Davis Viticulture and Enology uh, Department, uh, called me a couple weeks ago and came to my office uh, and wanted to talk about their efforts um, to increase uh, enrollment of uh, students uh, from NAPA uh, and even more so uh, Latinos into their program, as you know, the program is very small, but they do have an undergraduate and a graduate program. They've got a goal of also becoming a Hispanic-serving institute. And so we were talking about trying to educate the students about the program and the requirements and and I uh, asked him, I said, well, you know, I've always wondered why don't we you know, Napa Valley College and UC Davis have a, a closer relationship in this area. And um, he he mentioned a couple of things that, that he thought maybe um, were related to the requirements that, that UC Davis has for entry into the program and that not all students here cover those uh, requirements. and uh, But they're very interested in, in talking to to Napa Valley College about what we can do to try to to fix that and and increase the number of students who apply uh, either for the undergraduate or the the graduate program. And apparently they've also got money that uh, specifically for Napa County students that they go years without awarding because they don't have any applicants for the program from Napa Valley College, from Napa Valley. so I'm trying to put Ron and, and David in, in in touch so that uh, maybe that conversation can
1: start.
0: Very good, Rafael. Thank you very much for that outreach and for handshake. Uh, before I finish off uh, trustee reports with uh, Gabriel Sanchez, uh, Anna Shapody had a question, comment, or
1: about.
7: Um, yes, um, and I'm sorry, just making friends here, but um, this might be my last board meeting, so I wanted to add on, i just ask a question on the this, this agenda item, board reports. It says on the agenda that this item is supposed to actually be about a brief report on activities and from the trustees on non-controversial use for reporting on conferences and et cetera. And over the time that I've been here, this past year, this this time has often been used for parting comments, additional feedback on items that the board has already discussed, and we actually listen and like hearing what you do as board members and your reports. But I would ask that the board actually follow the agenda item and not use this as a time for um, parting comments on already discussed and voted on matters, or for future agenda items, and actually use it to report on what you do relative to this college and your experiences and information that you have to share relative to that. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Diana. I Appreciate your comments. Uh, absolutely, change my whole report now. Gabrielle,
13: um, this month's or this month's been pretty great for music, uh, at least for personally. Uh, my favorite band put out a new album. Uh, Radiohead put out that new album, so I've been listening to that, uh, religiously. Um, other than that, um, thank you everybody for, you know, being here, supporting me throughout this whole year. Um, I'd really, like, from the bottom of my heart, I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I don't know, I start to like, show the faintest blush at this point, but it's just that uh, I don't know. It's, I going into it, going into the position, I didn't think that it would be it would be very popular that I was on the board. Um, and I would, I, and throughout the year, I know that I've had to um, face an uphill battle with, uh, unfortunately, having to deal with uh, a stereotype that as a certain trustee, I would, you know, be doing all of these activities that I ended up not doing, and it really tainted. My reputation around the campus, but I think that I actively worked against that. Um, and thank you all for helping me, you know, figure that out. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot I'd like to say. Um, you know, I, I can probably can't find the time for it, but I'd love to keep in contact with everybody here. Um, you'll be seeing me every month. Uh, you know, I'll be doing the reports from now on. And every now and then I'll try to get another individual of the board on here. Um but I will be working closely with Dr. Kraft and Amanda and uh, Chris who left a little early, <laughs> but um making sure that you know student interests are represented accurately on campus and with that, you know, with the opinions of other constituent groups on campus and I really wanna go down in the books as one of the best presidents. So looking forward to that. Um and I hope you're all looking forward to it as well. So really, though, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I don't want to get too emotional here, but
0: yeah. Thank you very much, Trustee, for the last time, Sanchez. Um, appreciate your uh, mentorship of the incoming uh, trustee. Uh, Thank you all for participating. I am going to pull the excuse me. I am going to to pull out of my hat the as needed on the continuance of closed session. The trustees will be going into closed session uh, very briefly. Um, I was I did go to the art uh, show today uh, a little bit prematurely, but it's a great show. Can't wait to spend some more time there. Uh, May fair for the viticulture department is tomorrow, three to seven p.m. Uh, be there at uh, new releases, and should be a fun time. Great food, um, and I did plant a garden yesterday. It's a little late, but you hope that seed that you plant grows into something. I'm thinking of trust on this campus. That uh, if we nurture it and 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 uh, give it what it needs, we'll have we'll have some uh, fruit to harvest later on. Uh, so with that, uh, let's head for the uh, closed session. Thank you very much. And Amanda and Diana,
8: don't go away. We'll be back to <laughs> <laughs> We need to report uh-huh. to yeah. We need
0: witness.